Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yep. And welcome back to Talking Nick's Draft Edition. It happened. It happened. Oh my God. For months it felt like it was never going to happen. And here we are, no stopping, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly. We're here with the boys. We just, we watched most of the draft together. It was a good night. Big Baby David, Tom Piccolo, Greg Poon, Ken Boot from the ashes a little bit. He had to go to bed, but we're going to talk about it. We're kind of excited. A lot of emotions tonight. Let's do it. Let's talk. Next. Oh my. Welcome back to Talking Knicks, the most exciting night for Knicks fans, the NBA draft, and it was another whirlwind per usual. <laughs> we we had the whole, I mean, the whole laundry list of emotions today. We started out with an early trade in the morning, which seemed a little unprecedented, which we thought would lead to other trades that didn't happen, and then everything looming over the, the day. We're here. I mean, that picture of Malachi Flynn's family is burned into my brain forever. So many different emotions. Tom Piccolo... I'll kick it to you first, man. How you doing? Hey guys. No, I'm I'm spent, just emotionally drained. I like even from that first trade this morning, I was kind of just on edge all day. Like, what does it mean? What's the what what's the next move? Um, it turned out there wasn't an I mean, there wasn't a next move initially <laughs> until later on, but I mean I, I don't know. I, I I'm curious. It, it seems like you guys are are I don't want to speak for you, but pretty high on this. I'm kind of still, I'm still processing. I'm not sure. I might be a little more tepid on on the results here, um, but I, I don't know. I'm excited to get into it with you guys. Greggy P in the power of three. What's up, dog? Not much. I mean, like like Tom said, it's been a whirlwind of a day. That early morning trade where you're you're wondering what's going on. You're here saying 27 and 38 only gets you up to 23. That doesn't seem right. I think it'd be more, but I mean, it wouldn't be much more even if it was more. But I don't know. And then you know, Toppin falls to the Knicks. We didn't even really talk about him just because we didn't even think that was a possibility. It seemed like he was pretty locked in at, at five to the Cavaliers as his floor was what people were saying. But I guess they were wrong. Bulls pull. Bulls pick uh, Patrick Williams that throws everybody's equilibrium off and the chain chain reaction occurs and we end up with Obi Toppin. And I'm, I'm happy to say the least. I'll, I'll take a national player of the year. That seems like a safe pick to me. Yeah, and I think we're going to end up walking all over ourselves, or at least I am on Obi Toppin, because I'll say one sentence to myself that I'll be like, you know, he's kind of old and he's probably low ceiling and there's some concerns. And then my most recent thought and a shot across the bow, but like, I don't know, if Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox played one-on-one tomorrow, I'm taking Obi Toppin. So little quick jab at Knoxie, but big baby David, you were along for the ride. How are you doing, my man? Guys, I'm doing well. Yeah, you spend all day wondering what was up after that trade because everyone's like, well, you don't do this 10 hours before the draft unless you're trying to get another move done. And it's basically all day of rumors that they're going to try to get up to five with the Cavs to take Obi Toppin. So I spent all day kind of like shit talking Obi Toppin, saying how like trading up for him and 
it's just crazy. He can't be the only guy you're walking away with tonight because that's just scary. Um, but then he just falls to where they were at eight anyway. And like, I'm, I'm fine if he's the guy they like and he was just there at eight. You know, he fell. So I, I do a lot of what you were saying. Like, it, I can talk myself into so many different opinions on him because there's, there's a lot to like and there is a lot to dislike which we will get into with him specifically. And there's a whole late trade sequence, which we'll get into. Um, but you spend, we spent all day like scared of the trade up for top and then just falls into their laps anyway. So from that perspective, Hey, it worked out. Cause it seems like they're going to find a way to get him no matter what. So I'm glad they didn't give up other assets to go get him. Yeah, the the draft is I mean it's if if you're a sports junkie it's it's just wild and it's it's you know players careers change instantly. Are they, what team are they joining? What coach are they joining? You know, if you get picked one pick earlier, you could be getting 15 minutes a game your rookie year. The next team you could be playing 32 and it's 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 just insane, and we were doing it with we we got some good reaction stuff on the talking Nick social media with our Kenny Poon as well. He uh, we'll see if he sends any late night texts. He said he had to go to bed, and then right after that, he texted us he should buy Trey Jones at this point. So we'll see if we get any <laughs> hail. I think Mary's he's firing off some tweets too. So love that, love that the the can't sleep tweets, babe. Um, let's let's do it, boys. And I I mean. It's kind of funny because, and you guys all just mentioned it, that early trade today was kind of mental warfare. I'm kind of mad the Knicks did that because they had our wheels spinning all day. Uh, you know, is it a, is a Russell Westbrook trade happening? Is, uh, you know, is is something something cool we don't even know about going on? And... <laughs> It uh, it, it didn't seem to play out until that very last second where they draft. Uh, I I I feel rude to the guy. What's his name? Balmaro. Leandro Balmaro. Leandro Balmaro. A. The name's too close to Leandro Barbosa. Bust. Um, you're out. Um, but uh, and again, the whole Obi Toppin's not supposed to fall to us. He's too old, but. Actually, you know, he was easily the best player in college basketball this year. Um, Tom, I'll I'll go back to you, man. I mean, I I think let's start with Obi because Obi is the eighth pick. We had the eighth pick. You guys talked about this on the most recent podcast. We had been thinking about this for a while, and we'd gone through all the names. <laughs> we'd gone through about fifteen names that could possibly be at this selection because, again, what this draft does not have the top end talent, the middle and late talent. We're going to find out with when you do with every draft, you never really know. Um, but we end up with Obi Toppin who I don't know. The age has to concern you. There's some definite flaws, but there should be some things that excite the people. And I feel like as always with Twitter or wherever you go to look, we haven't really delved into that chunk yet. Yeah, man. No, I think we have to start with Obi Toppin. And like you said, on our, on two of our last podcasts, we kind of did some predictions and, and some analysis and things like that. But uh, I will say I gave my top five most likely picks for the Knicks if they stayed at eight, which, you know, that was no guarantee to begin with. But Obi Toppin was not one of those, and he wasn't even kind of one of the honorable mentions that we discussed. So this is definitely a surprise that he fell to eight. I, I was fairly certain he was locked in to that top five, and I really didn't even start watching Toppin tape until today, just because I thought it was such a, you know, it, there was so much smoke around it and so much discussion around whether the Knicks were going to trade up to get him that I was like, all right, I'll... I'll bite. Who's Obi Toppin? And like, it's hard to overstate just kind of how polished of an offensive player he was. Like, he was super impressive on that end. He's very bouncy. You know, you hear the Amare Stoudemire comparisons. You also hear some John Collins in there. He's 
he's a very good athlete on the offensive end. Like he will set a screen. I, I was watching that specifically because I know that's kind of been a Knicks bugaboo lately is like actually making contact on the screen versus slipping it. Obi Toppin will, he'll hit you a little bit from what I can tell. And, and he'll roll hard to the basket and, and he will look for that lob. He'll also run the floor in transition. He's looking to get easy buckets, which, which as a, you know, a Knicks fan watching the Knicks struggle to get points year after year, that's, that's going to be nice to see. Um, th- there's some serious things to like about him and his, his even potential to stretch out to, to three point range and become a stretch four. I think that's on the table for him, given his three point shooting numbers, even his free throw shooting numbers. Um, you know, I'm I'm optimistic on the offensive end, even with his fit with Mitch. I think his defense is just a serious concern. Like, you know, we saw it with Montrez Harrell with the Clippers, like really being played off the floor in these last playoffs. Um, and I think there's there's some real comparisons there to be made between Top and and Harrell on the defensive end. So that that's kind of there, there's a lot of upside there, but also some real concerns. And that's kind of where we are with the eighth pick. Yeah, I mean, I'll worry about Top and getting played off the floor in the playoffs when when we get there. That's totally that's, fair. That seems a long way off. But I mean, I'm 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 all for this stop and pick. I'm I'm the guy who says sometimes you just gotta throw away the analytics and the and the over analysis and just pick the national player of the year when he falls to you at eight. It, it just seems to make sense to me. And you know, some of you guys say age is a concern, but you know, the Knicks haven't extended a, a rookie first rounder since Charlie Ward for multiple years. They signed David Lee to a, a one year extension, so. I mean, we're talking about a guy who'd be 26 at the end of his rookie deal. And, you know, even after that, you can get a second deal and he'd be 30 by the time that was up. So I think people, the age thing is more of a concern about, about potential rather than, than them being able, you know, them being too old as rookies. And I'll give you a couple names of guys who played their rookie season when they were 22 years old. Brandon Roy and Damian Lillard. Those are just two guys. I mean, think about Lillard. If if you said he was too old when he was a rookie, and how long ago was he a rookie? He, he's still going strong. So I'm not too concerned about the age thing. I think just make it work. He could still just get better. And he's also just seems like a, a low floor kind of guy. Just because he's just because he is already twenty two, and you you've, you've seen what he could do already, yeah. I'm all for it. And I guess the question would be like, who on the board would you have rather have taken over Toppin? You know, because some of the guys I expected to be on the board were Isaac Okoro, Killian Hayes. Neither of them were there. They were taken uh, fifth and seventh, respectively. So it's like. You know, Denny Abdiha was kind of considered this top five, top six talent. Was it worth taking a flyer on him? No, I like. I think I would have rather had Toppin over Abdiha. And then you start getting into some later picks like Vassell, Halliburton, Kira Lewis Jr. And you know, I could have been talked into probably those those kinds of guys, um, more either three and D or offense initiators, but. At the end of the day, like there's no denying that Toppin has a, a great deal of talent, so it, it's it's it is hard to pass on him when he falls to eight. Yeah, and the way the draft went, just among the guys left, the only person I can say that like I personally would have like definitively wanted more is probably Kyra Lewis Jr. But even that, like even if everything went chalk, the consensus was that eight was maybe too high to be taking him. So like. Uh, it does make sense to just take Obi if he falls to you, given the other guys that went before him too, that were like the people we thought the Knicks were high on between Okoro and Hayes and, and whatever. Um, you know, he does have, he does have the concerns with just like his ability to play defense at all. Um, and, and how much does he help you beyond just being able to do some scoring and having verticality? Can he sh- really shoot? Probably, but it's just hard to say. And the defense is scary. The rebounding isn't great. He like doesn't box out. So you can go through a, a, the whole list of things that 
that are negatives about him because I did it kind of all day. Um, but at the end of the day, he is like probably the day one best offensive player in the draft. Maybe not the highest offensive potential, but day one, probably the guy that can do the most for you on that end of the floor. Or I'm just saying, yeah, he's a Nick now. <laughs> no, I, don't I, know. <laughs> I, I, I think you're saying that because he's a Nick now, and whoever they did take, we would be talking ourselves into right now. So we do have to be a little honest about that. I mean, the biggest thing, he is 22. I mean, they were, you know, I think we, Kara Lewis Jr., who I, you know, we broke for a little bit, and I came back and I watched his highlight, and I think he's either 19 or 20, and he flies, and he's a point guard, but he can shoot a little bit. And I came back, and I was like, I, I kind of like that guy. Um, it was kind of that that quick buyer's remorse a little bit, but I mean, when we look back at this draft board, um, I think the name that Knicks fans are going to have circled is Tyrese Halliburton, and depending how he develops. I, I mean, that was kind of the guy that a lot of Knicks fans talked them six into. I mean, I mean, Kira Lewis goes 13. So, you know, that's we're talking about the eighth pick. So, so I mean, those those really are different ranges. Halliburton goes 12, but he he was, you know, looked at in that eight pick range. And he the other one that, to the Knicks in a lot of drafts. Yeah, the the other one that got me spinning for a second was Cole Anthony, who goes 15, and I mean, he was hurt at UNC, he was bad, he's Greg Anthony's kid. I don't think you could kick yourself on that one, that would have had to been like a trade down, and, and I think that's just me wanting guard play at that point. I mean, Obi Toppin, uh, I said this to you guys in our group chat today, if there was an NCAA tournament this year, I was taking Dayton because I think he was far and away the best player in the country easily. And part of that is because he was a 22-year-old man playing against uh, a college basketball crop that's not what it's used to be. We kind of see it in this draft. And even the guys that they are are 19-year-olds and 18-year-olds. So uh, there is a little bit of that. And, I mean, I, I think the question is, like, for me, the floor, you know, low floor, or high floor, excuse me, low floor would be a bad thing. Um, I, I think it's a high floor because, I, I mean, the guy's an athlete. He should be able to run the court. He should be able to get to buckets. It's He's what at least else can the guy he, who gets minutes in the NBA. It's, it's, it's what else can he do and at how high of a level? Because, you know, two years in, he will be 24 years old. And, you know, is he a bona fide starter? Is he a guy who comes off the bench? And you don't want to be having these conversations about the eighth pick, but I, I think it's realistic with his skill set. I, I don't know. I like it. I think the only the thing that has me the most hesitant right now is, I mean, Julius Randle. I mean, lefty power forward, you know, currently on our team for this next year, you know, it seems like those guys shouldn't be sharing a court together. Yeah, I, I think the like one thing that Obi Toppin has going for him that big men absolutely need right now is his ability to pass the ball. Like I think he's got really good vision, and I just think he's got a good feel for the game, and he's he's a good passer. Um, the concern, you know, that's kind of what would separate him. If you're looking at a guy like Enos Cantor, who is objectively like a pretty strong offensive player, like he will get you buckets on the offensive end. He can post up mismatches. He can get offensive boards. He'll get you points. And sometimes his stats will look nice, but he gives up so much on the defensive end that you can't play him. Um, the thing is Cantor can't pass the ball worth anything. You know, Toppin can actually find the open man, um, when you know when he's able to create those mismatches and, and create those advantages, uh, I guess the, to your point with Randall, like Randall statistically, actually he does rack up some assists. Some of those are kind of just like cheap assists that don't seem to feel all that meaningful. But you know there does you have to hope that there's a difference between Obi Toppin's offensive style and you know Julius Randle can't play above the rim he's not a vertical spacer he's not a lob threat um so you know when Julius Randle rolls to the basket he's not exactly sucking in defenses and opening up uh perimeter shooters like Obi Toppin would but yeah what you're betting on is Obi Toppin's offensive just uh feel for the game and his passing ability to to be productive versus Julius Randle's which feels 
kind of fake. Yeah, and and one one of the things the question marks with picking Toppin over Halliburton is wanting to pick a guy who can bring the ball up the court and who can have the ball in his hands all the time and create the offense. And is, I mean, like you said, Toppin can pass a little bit, but it doesn't seem like he's that guy. Maybe that just signifies how much faith they have in RJ to become that guy so that they are complimenting him with a guy like Toppin. Yeah, and I think that the the, the comparison I'd make is, is Blake Griffin, who had seasons where he was averaging five five and a half assists a game like he's a really good power forward passer he can kind of run the offense through the elbows and you know later in his career he was able to, to he's been able to step out shoot the three a little bit and be a be that vertical spacer so i i do like blake griffin as a comparison for for toppin i don't think that toppin's quite as fluid of an athlete I do think you know he's obviously explosive and all that, but but Blake Griffin was just kind of a, a different level, out of this world, freak, you know, once in a generation type of athlete. Um, but Toppin will be, I think, that kind of player and have similar uh, issues on the defensive end or similar concerns on the defensive end as Blake Griffin. It is between kind of just too small to guard fives, and we don't think he's quick enough to guard like modern fours, so. It's tough. I mean, you can. We'll see what happens, but that is, yeah, that's the concern. It's and the skill set overall is probably pretty similar to Blake's when he was drafted. Obviously, Blake was like A plus at all these things, and Toppin, I don't know, it's probably like B plus at the same things. It's like a little muted, but that is that does feel like the right comp. Yeah, and I, I, Want it's it interesting. Be. I. I, I hadn't heard the the Blake Griffin before because I know Kenyon Martin was getting thrown around a lot. Um, what was the other one? Amare Amare. was getting a little bit. I I I don't see the Amare. I mean Amare, you know. Well, I I don't know if you like that comp. Good for you. Um, Just like Blake's the way he at literally dunks. Kind yeah. of looks. Yeah, same, Amare was just but... so smooth. Like it, it was kind of a whole different thing yeah. than than Obi Toppin. Um, I, and, I don't know, like, if Obi can put the ball on the floor like Amari could, I mean, you could give Amari the ball from 16, 17 feet out, and he would just go get you a bucket, period, like, didn't matter who was on him. I don't know that Obi Toppin really has that kind of game, you know, where he can say it's a post-up or, or, you know, have him face up from 15 feet out. I'm not sure that that Toppin can, like, go face up, put a move on, make a couple moves, and, and get to the basket, Amari Stoudemire, no one was stopping him. It was, it was kind of a, a different animal entirely. But I, I think I like the Blake comparison a little. It's almost like a later career Blake, in my opinion. Like, because he's not quite as athletic as as twenty year old Blake was, but he does. Ha- I, I am high on his playmaking ability. And that's where I was actually heading, Tom. Because and you know Blake Griffin is when when our kids are checking out basketball reference they're going to be like what the hell happened here because i mean if you look at some of Blake Griffin's stats now it's it's kind of shocking i mean the three point numbers are kind of really good and i i think you know it, this is a pretty lame duck statement but you know Anthony Edwards who's the the number 1 pick in this draft a i don't know if you guys saw this quote but he said his like first love is football and it's like okay <laughs> time out <laughs> uh feels like a red flag um and so much of this turns into hard work and development like obi toppin shot 39% from 3 last year um, you know, that's a pretty good number. And the the shot doesn't look ugly. Um, you know, it was only what was it, two point six attempts, uh, and the free throw percentage was also around seventy, which again don't aren't great trajectories to become a special three point shooter. But, you know, if if that's a game that he works on and develops and continues to improve on, it does look like he will get a nice stretch for capabilities with his athleticism and you know it it's it's what kind of work are you going to put in and I a guy that you know he won the NCAA player of the year 
he's not a bad guy to take. He's not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy to take a flyer on a flyer on with the eighth pick. I mean, uh, I'm excited, and I do. And you guys saw me do this, and maybe you know this is where we can wrap up on Obi because say this does work out. And when I was talking about lineups when we were doing some live stuff, I kept skipping over Julius Randle because I think we all believe that Julius Randle isn't part of the future of this team necessarily. So if it were to be, I think it would be Mitch at the five, Toppin at the four. Do you guys like that fit? Because I kind of do. I I mean, if Obi Toppin is what we think he is, you know, kind of offensive, pretty skilled, can stretch a little bit, uh, while Mitch should be the rim-running, rim-protecting big, I kind of like that as a four-five, no? I mean, look... yeah, Greg, go ahead. It's a little old school. You don't you don't really see the, the two big lineup. But I mean, could, we're talking potential Lob City 2.0 with the DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin. I mean, Lob City light very much without the point guard. It's yeah, an idea. And you think like Toppin is probably at his best when he's rolling to the rim and getting those lobs. And the concern would be like that's where Mitchell Robinson's living. Like Mitchell Robinson has no ability to stretch the floor. But I mean, as we all know, Mitch Rob is a is a threat to, you know, be in foul trouble. And there are gonna be long stretches of the game when Obi Toppin has to be the center on the floor. And I think that's when, especially against you know, opposing second units, when he can really dominate more above the rim and in the paint. But when he's paired up with Mitch to start games, to start second halves, I think, yeah, like he'll have to be more of that spacing guy. And I think he has the capability to do that. You just have to acknowledge that that's probably not when he's at his best, right? And and that he would have to be utilized in a different way once Mitch is off the floor. I think that's just kind of something you have to recognize. And I, I imagine the shooting also becomes more of a weapon if you're playing him at the five, because most fours, the way it's played now, do guard it. But in general, the more I've thought about it um, throughout the day and night, the, the more I see the fit between them working, um, especially with Mitra being able to kind of be a bit of a safety net for him on, on the defensive end. Um, and offense, Obi, Obi can go out and stretch it a little bit and, you make it work. You make it livable. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, both of, both of those guys have a little bit of developing to do before uh, we reach any heights where it becomes a real issue. But you can see the solution, including both of them. Yeah, and when you talk about sliding Obi up to five, it'd be interesting to see. And I know you want to see Knox more at the four. So it'd be interesting to see those two guys together. And, I mean... Defense on this team will be interesting because of the personnel, but the coach is, is a defensive specialist, so we'll see how all the pieces fit together. And and yeah. a, kind of a forgotten piece of the new coaching staff is Kenny Payne, who has the Kentucky connection to Emmanuel Quickly, who we'll talk about as the later pick the Knicks had. But he was known as like a big man like fixer with uh, Kentucky, and it's like, what Obi like? He, I assume he will be working with Obi to be able to improve his footwork on on both ends of the floor, but especially defense. And hopefully that he's part of the answer there because he's supposed to be a big time acquisition for this coaching staff. And Obi, they obviously have a lot invested in. They use a top ten pick on Obi Toppin, so I imagine those two will become pretty close pretty soon. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, it it's. With the guy that size, I, I I definitely get nervous with his defense at center. Um, you know, and it I feel like there's almost similarities to Julius Randle playing defense at center there, where he's been a sieve. So, uh, and I think if you tell if you tell an opposing team that uh, Knox Knox is playing power forward and Obi Toppin's at at center, that's a uh, I think they like that matchup going into the game. So I uh, I don't know. Um, you know, on the other side of this, I, I did see, you know, some Knicks fans are disappointed, and, they, hey, we, we've laid out the risk. He's older. Um, there's some holes in his defense, and I'm, I'm assuming the, you know, the high potential of him being a superstar isn't there, but 
there really wasn't a lot of that in this draft. I mean, any any amendment, any addendums on that, any amendments are those words? I mean, we we talked about in like our preview episodes of the draft how like for the Knicks particularly, we would have liked somebody who's a little more of a guarantee, but we also did just call Obi decently high floor just because he can contribute uh, pretty well on the offensive end. But um, so we, so we talked about wanting a guy who we like kind of know will be a contributor, but there were, there was like a faction of basketball fans that said like, Hey, actually in this year's draft, because there's nobody's a guarantee, you might as well take the swing. And Obi is kind of taking the swing. Um, And we didn't, we hadn't even like registered him as an option at eight, but he's another guy that is taking the swing because he can, there's a chance he becomes special. I would bet against being special, but he, he could very well become good. Yeah. And I, I'm I just trying to think right of like I how I would feel if we were looking at a Devin Vassell, Emmanuel quickly, uh, you know, draft night or a Tyrese Halliburton, Emmanuel quickly draft night. And I don't know that I would be like that much more thrilled. I don't know. I'm just kind of, honestly, like this pick came so far out of left field for me. I'm still processing it. I'm like I said, I didn't even start watching this guy until today. I I thought he was just off going to be off the map and, uh, and here we are. So yeah, well, I mean, and that's, that's part of the reason why we should like him. We all thought, this guy was going to be gone by the time yeah. he came around. Yeah. Certainly but, gets a chance. Every everyone had him penciled in the four to five range. He comes to the Knicks at eight. Um, it, it should be exciting <coughs> to watch, if if nothing else. So, so a little entertainment value along the way. And Tom, on your point there, I, I do think the only way that we would be turned up just a little bit. Um, well, A, if they did something funky with the last pick instead of trading it, I, th- I feel like we'd be all over that. Um, I do think if they went Halliburton or Kyra Lewis that with Emmanuel Quickly, who we'll talk about, I think we'd be able to talk ourselves into that because it's a young backcourt, a pair that can grow together and, you know, uh, let's let's see the different matchups these guys can do, blah, blah, blah. Um, we'll, we'll skip the other guys for now because they are not currently a part of the New York Knicks. But we did draft Emmanuel Quickly, uh, 6'3 guard out of Kentucky with a 6'8 to 6'10 wingspan, depending where you look. Um and he was the SEC Player of the Year last year. Um, in his second year at Kentucky, he put up 16 points, uh, four boards, two assists. Uh, the number that jumps out, uh, 42.8% from three on 4.8 uh, attempts per game at Kentucky. And this is this is always an interesting one. With the Kentucky guys, you know, we've seen a lot of their big men um, you know, their games out of college are very different than their games at Kentucky. Calipari kind of, kind of manages, manages them differently. Um, I don't know. We, um, we got pretty excited about this one. And I think it's because that, I mean, that 43% from three really jumps off the sheet in this draft class. Yeah. And I think, yeah, go ahead. That's a beautiful thing. And, I mean, the Knicks haven't had any shooting last season. They brought in Ellington to be a shooter, and he was just awful. And I think we should probably note that, like, originally the Knicks had the 23rd pick, right? They had packaged 27 and 38 to move up to 23, where they, you know, at first selected Leandro Balmero, like we mentioned and we were all we were all bummed. Like we were just straight up. I think everyone was just very sad. Not, I mean, not because we know a ton about Balmero, but that's also part of it. We didn't know a ton about Balmero. He averaged like eleven minutes per game for Barcelona, and so we just couldn't like really make it. It's like, oh, so that's the end of the the night for the Knicks. Like that's that's kind of all of it. And a very flipped, quick Google we did was unkind to. Bolmero as well. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. But the fact that they ended up flipping 23 for 25 and 33, I mean, that was the, the highlight. It seemed like we were all thrilled. And then when they picked quickly, it was kind of interesting. Like Maxie, Tyrese Maxie out of Kentucky had just gone 
21st, right. not too much before. And, and he was someone I was looking at even at number eight. If you remember on, on that podcast, I had him as the fifth most likely prospect. Not like I knew anything going in, but like when I, I watched a lot of Tyrese Maxey, and that means like I watched a lot of quickly games, um, and granted I was focusing more on Maxey, and they both played a similar position. They were both kind of like off guards. They weren't necessarily offense initiators, but you know, Maxey was just a year younger. I mean, quickly was, was just as good at the collegiate level, like easily and probably better. Like, you know, he, he, like we said, he was sec player of the year. He averaged more points. He had better, uh, shooting percentage from three and from the free throw line. Uh, I, I think that the, the one knock on him is he's a little smaller. Like Maxey has this frame where he looks like more, he's built more like an NBA player and quickly you kind of wonder if he's going to get picked on a little bit on defense, but Look, this guy is super competitive. He was like, there were games where I would watch and he was the best uh, Kentucky guard. They kind of had a three-guard lineup where there were three of them in any given night. Like one of them would be the best player that night. But quickly, more often than not, was kind of that like microwave scorer. Sometimes whether it was off the bench or or he was starting, like he would would get the ball in the basket. And that was kind of what he was best at. And I could certainly see him being like that. You know, and I don't want to compare him to like an Alonzo Trier because, you know, that was kind of what he was supposed to be, right? He was supposed to be this microwave scorer off guard off the bench, but quickly was just so much more competitive and will really fight on the defensive end. So I think it's kind of a different thing entirely. Yeah, I I like the quickly pick. He was somebody I've identified since we started our draft process, Uh, but I did have him penciled in for that 38th spot because he was mocked as kind of a second round. It does by the consensus feel like a reach, but also in this year's draft more than any other, um, nobody like no knew what any other team was really thinking. There was no actual consensus among front offices on what the order was. Um, so more than any other year, you kind of just had to take a guy when you felt like it was right. Uh, and quickly, Hey, Honestly, we just as long as he's capable of shooting and he's gonna give the defensive effort, that's like all I need out of the twenty fifth pick in the draft. But um, but he he seems to be as good as it could have been. There were a few guys that we identified that we had targeted for twenty seven that were available. Um, but we were, I guess, higher on them than the league was. Well, I, I think it's important to to note those guys because two of them were Malachi Flynn and Desmond Bain. Um, and I believe Tyrell Terry as well didn't go until the second round, right? He went 31. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. yeah. So, so between Terry, I think they, Bain, did they go 29, 30, 31. That's right. They went three in a row. I mean, those were, were three guys I was like quite high on. And I think if I had any letdown with that quickly pick, it's because I kind of had my heart set on these on these dudes. Like Desmond Payne, to me, was the I mean the best shooter in the draft, no question. Um, and at at six six and, and kind of a well built wing, he I, I just think he fits anywhere. Um, Malachi Flynn as a two way off guard, I, like to me Malachi Flynn is is very similar to quickly uh, as as far as his game goes. I just it's a you know, seeing the statistics, seeing Quickly's 43 or whatever percent, three-point percentage, kind of makes me do a double-take because watching the tape, I was all in on Flynn. But I, I think I'm going to have to watch more Quickly film because the stats are saying one thing, um, but I think my heart was just saying another when these when these picks were made. So, yeah, when, when, when the Quickly pick was made, I was a little lower on it, but I, I believe I will come around. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say what I keep saying. Sometimes you just got to throw away the over analysis and pick the SEC player of the year, best player on Kentucky. That just that just sounds like a good player. I mean, blind going in blind, I tell you, the Knicks just picked the best player out of, uh, on Kentucky out of this draft. Then you're all in on it for sure. If I say that any year, that's a good pick. Except yeah, Kevin Knox, but Kevin Knox wasn't. <laughs> no, SGA was. Shea, yeah, yeah, yeah. We. Uh... Yeah, that's a good point. No, I, like, there were definitely games when Tyrese Maxey was like their go-to guy in crunch time, and I, you know there were other games where, I, yeah, they they took turns. So yeah, I mean, on statistically, I'm just like going 
by averages, yeah, quickly was the best. And he was the I'm SEC player. Based on, yeah, that's what I'm going based on. I haven't, I haven't watched a ton of quickly tape. Well, and I th- I think that's what I I think this draft you know isn't going to be remembered as a special draft. There's not those top three guys at the top that have a chance to be special. Um, you know, we'll see how it ends up sorting out. But I do think we found that area where, you know, the 24th pick, R.J. Hampton, huge guy coming out of high school. He plays overseas. Nobody really knows. Emmanuel Quickly, 25 to the Knicks, SEC Player of the Year, um, you know, arguably the best player on that Kentucky team. But Tyrese Maxey, his teammate, went a couple picks before him at 21. When we were in that 20 to 30 range, it was kind of like there. There's a couple guards that might make this work. Desmond Bain, Malachi Flynn. Uh, you know, Terry ends up landing at 31. That you know, Tom, what you're saying is right. Like, I think we're happy we got Emmanuel quickly. But if we got Desmond Bain, I think we'd be saying a lot of the same things and probably just as excited. So at a, at a certain point, you're flipping a coin, or you do have to trust your scouts or your new front office that did get us excited <laughs> for a little bit there. Um, and, and at the same time, it's, it's tricky because, you know, we mentioned Tyrese Maxey with the eighth pick. <laughs> um, and that's what I, I think when we tweeted out from talking Knicks about quickly, some people were talking about getting him later. And it's like, well, y- you know what? It, it's the draft and, and go get that SEC player of the year, like Greg said, because, you know, hey, may, maybe this dude is is the guy out of all those guards. Right, Jake. Like, like you were saying, I, my, my gut when that pick was made was telling me, you know, wouldn't quickly have been there at 33. That's not that many picks later. You could have taken one of these other guys, a Flynn or a Bain, and then just gotten your guy quickly at 33. But like you said, there have been no guarantees that he would have still been there. There were picks made before this that utterly shocked me. So it's not, you know... Um, if quickly was the guy they identified, then they made the right call going up to get him. Do I still wonder whether he would have been there? Like, would it have been even cooler to get like Desmond Bain at 25 and then quickly at 33? That'd be pretty sweet. But, um, you know, things don't necessarily work out that way on draft night. You can't really, uh, count on things to, to break that way. Yeah. And man, I, uh, I, I don't know. It's funny. Going back through this draft now, I mean, picks 16 through 23, Isaiah Stewart, Poku, Josh Green, Sadiq Bay, Precious Achua, Tyrese Maxey, Zeke Nanji, and Leandro Bolmaro. I mean, again, I know this was a weird year for scouting and playing and, and getting full reports on these guys, but in that in that crew there, that that group of seven, eight names, you know, I, there's not a lot of names you could point at and be like, yeah, that guy's going to be a guy. He's he's going to stick in the NBA for a little bit. But, you know, I I almost like, you know, 24 to 31, R.J. Hampton, Emmanuel Quickly, Peyton Pritchard, Azabuki, Jaden McDaniels, Malachi Flynn, Desmond Bain, Tyrell Terry. Like, you could flip those in the draft, and I would have been like, oh, yeah, that's how the night went down. So... That's that's how the cookie crumbles. Yeah, and a lot of those people you listed in that in that first batch are are guys who you know if the Knicks were picking they would think hey maybe we could get that guy at thirty three and that's that's why you have to pick your guy when you're up the first time and not hope that he slides down to your second pick just like the the Celtics picked uh, Pritchard with twenty four and they had the thirtieth pick but I mean, Pritchard's you know Pritchard's a little all over the place but you would think he'd be there at thirty but. Right, take the chance. They got Bain at thirty, and they could have gotten Bain at twenty six and Pritchard at thirty. You know, like yeah. that. That kind of goes did to show the Bain little... to the Grizzlies at thirty. But... Yeah, true. Um, by the way, that's that's also the fun part of draft night. Like when I saw Desmond Bain with his biceps drilling threes, I was like, "Yeah, he is. He's going to be the guy on the Grizzlies who averages." Ten and a half points per game, but when the Knicks play him, he's gonna put up twenty four, and we'll be like, "That dude's a stud." Um, and that's that's just that's just Grizzlies basketball, babe. So, um, where does that kind of leave us? I mean, I I think the only main thing that's hanging over my head that um, 
I think is also a little bit of a storyline on Nick's internet right now is I think we're going and getting a point guard, right? Because, I mean, you know, Quickly's Quickly can shoot. It, it, maybe he can play a little point guard. And, you know, I mentioned Kentucky playing guys out of position a little bit, but he's clearly not a pure point guard. I mean, do we do we think this one. pushes the Knicks closer to uh, Fred Van Vliet or, or another point guard? Or, like, do we believe in a Frank resurgence, Alfred Payton? I, I don't know. I In my head, this kind of has the Knicks getting a legitimate point guard. I, well, I did read, it was like a Raptors reporter, I believe, who tweeted it, that like at, because the Suns went and got Chris Paul earlier this week and there was another team who was supposed to be in on the Van Vliet chase, sweepstakes is the word, um, They just who just pulled off some move that kind of takes them out of it and made up some cap space. It kind of is like the Knicks are the only team that can compete with the Raptors for him. So it's going to take offering him probably more than I'm comfortable with, but they might be back in on him as the only other team that can really give a competitive offer with the Raptors. Um, So that's an option we've talked about. We talked about Dragic months ago as a guy we might want to target. And maybe, hey, maybe they do just bring back Alfred Payton because he's going to be kind of cheap and whatever, just let it ride one more year and see what happens. I imagine they're signing somebody, I guess, yeah, and free I, agency I this quick, weekend. It's nuts. I think, I think so. I think I, I quickly mentioned possibility of, uh, of Eric Bledsoe. I don't, I don't know. I don't have any, anything to base that on. I just know that. He doesn't seem to fit on the Pelicans. They have Lonzo. I think they just picked Kyra Lewis Jr. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, they have a backcourt. They have Redick. They got to move one of those guys. There. And he's the one that has the salary yeah. they'd most want to get rid of and doesn't, like, have upside. Yeah, I don't, and I don't think he would really cost that much because, I mean, I mean, he's good, but... Just be willing to take the contract. Yeah, and exactly. He's got two years left and making them about a little under 20. Flip the was he, was he an all-star last second year? round pick for whatever and take something else. I don't know. Was he? I don't think he was an all-star. I don't Middleton. Think so. was Middleton. An all-star. I think that DiVincenzo was an all-star. I suppose the other talking point, not to, not to derail us. More, but Please. it is that flipping of the thirty-third pick. Yep, I think that is going to get on, grind some people's gears. I, I shrug it off, but in, in on principle, yeah, it was just kind of weird. They they did the trade up, trade back. They get they turn twenty-seven and thirty-eight into twenty-five and thirty-three, but they just kind of give up thirty-three for nothing. I mean, it's a twenty-twenty-three second, just something you can't really account for. When you're not, that second isn't going to be 33, probably. So, just it does leave you with a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth to end the night when there is a lot of questions in the air about the other picks. But overall, it, that shouldn't change your opinion on that. But I don't know. I mean, I think what you have to do yeah, is, was, is you, you look at the players who are available and you're like, who would I have wanted at 33? And I think, I mean, Look, we've done research on some of these guys, so like their their names are familiar to us, and we have some yeah it's because we have the familiarity with them. Um, I, I feel like we probably want them more, but yeah, the question would be what that pick, you know, X number of years from now is is going to end up being. And the thirty third pick is nearly a first round draft pick. Like that, you know, we talk about guys slipping in the first round. There are first round talents easily there at thirty three. So I think that's kind of where a lot of the concern lies. Just looking at the guys who were taken, who were selected after 33, I'd look at Tyler Bay. I'd look at um, Trey Jones, who I know Greg was always talking about, and then Jamius Ramsey from Texas Tech. Those were three guys who I kind of looked at a little bit um, and thought, yeah, that's probably better than a second-round pick two years from now. Yeah, agreed. That was very, very odd. It seemed like it should have. There should have been more to that pick. Maybe, maybe cash. Maybe there was cash, and we don't know it yet. I don't, I don't know. I'm just hoping. 
And there were rumors very of them odd. wanting to jump back in and buy a second round pick later. So it was like, all right, maybe they're just going to do that later. And they, and they, they didn't do that. Right. Um, no, no, the draft just, yeah. just wrapped. Looks like up. nothing else happened. Knicks wise. Um, yeah, I mean, but, even a guy like Nico Mannion, who was sixth, I think he was sixth in his whole draft class coming out of high school. I mean, he was taken 48th. Isaiah Joe went 49th. He, who yeah. might be the he's best a, shooter in the draft. Another guy we talked about, Cassius Winston, who I know we discussed a lot, is yeah. just kind of like one of those guys who's a winner. And these are, especially between Mannion and Cassius Winston, like those are two, and, and, um, and Trey Jones, like those are solid point guard options. Certainly guys who project to be I mean, backups in some cases, and with Nico Mannion, even higher upside. So, yeah, it, it is a curious decision to, to get rid of 33, you know? The, the solution that has come, that like, it's not a not like a revelation. Just the thing I can think of is that one of the Knicks, like one of the Knicks' assets going into this off season, is that they like have open roster spots and cap space to get rid of people. So the team wants to I, use the Knicks as a place to cut their salary, um, or cut their roster down. The Knicks have roster spots. Maybe they just didn't want to use one up on another second round pick for this year when I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing with the way the draft went winning, isn't the like priority this year. I mean, I guess the Russell Westbrook trade can still happen. And all of a sudden, I guess the goal is to get into the playoffs, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting. I know when we traded for Willie Hernan Gomez, he was right around that area, and we traded two two sec two future second round picks for him. He got picked thirty fifth. Yeah. So I mean, Mitch was the thirty sixth pick. Yeah, that says more about. I don't know the value here. It's just odd to trade this pick for a future. But but the other thing is now we have a future second round pick to to throw in a trade when when we're trying to actually do something. Yeah. You know. And, and that's 20, it's three that's, drafts it's, away. So in yeah. two years, when we're trying, we'll just yeah. have we'll still have that asset in the bank. Throw we'll it. just have to stay up later on that draft night. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. We we have the champion Pistons pick at number sixty. <laughs> give me give me that pick, and yeah, the, those are the two spin zones. It's either hey, front offices are supposed to think about foresight, and maybe that. That early second round in 2023 is supposed to be the spot. Um, that would seem like crazy foresight that I haven't seen the Knicks have. Um, I like the roster spot thing too, BBD. I mean, maybe there's maybe there's going to be a trade coming and a, a team would most likely rather have a second round pick in 2023 than a lot of the names we just said, just because that's how front offices kind of navigate and yeah, I think attached to that, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, some some names we've also mentioned along the way who did not get drafted. I don't think Marcus Howard uh, got picked, uh, you know, the the high-scoring guy from Marquette. I don't think uh, Ashton Hagens, um, the other the other guard on Kentucky. So, you know, it there, there's other bodies to be brought in. I'm sure the Knicks will, especially you know, for their G League, and we'll see if they turn into roster spots or whatever. But um, I don't know. I, I think overall in Knicks land, again, a lot of different emotions felt over the 24 hours. Um, I, I don't know. I, I know, you know, uh, some people are are more down on Obi than I think they should be. Um, you know, again, this guy was supposed to go a couple picks higher, and that's why he wasn't <laughs> on our mock drafts a lot. So, um, I don't know. Feeling good about the night. I do think the Knicks are going to make a trade or free agent signing at the point guard position slash knock on wood because I know it ends that tricky conversation we have a lot on here of, you know, helping these guys play better while also not taking away from them, which someone like Bledsoe might do. So um, I'm excited for the next few weeks because the, the NBA is rolling, man. They opened up the transactions and it is happening. And that's that's what the NBA is good at, man moves quick yeah do we want to like do we have grades we want to give out do you guys like have a Ooh. i don't know just something real sound bitey <laughs> Ooh, great sound bites to wrap it up give me a a 
a B on Toppin and a B plus on Quickly. That three percentage has roped me in. So, so like total draft night. Oh. Oh God, there are so many emotions. Um, you know what? I'll I'll be on hot take, Jake. Give me an A minus. They they came into tonight with what was it the twenty seven and the thirty eighth pick, and they turned those two picks into the twenty five and the thirty three. So I mean that's pretty good. And then they they took the guy that slid to them. You know I I think if we took you know Denny Adita or whatever his name is above Ovi Toppin, I think we'd probably be having conversations saying, hey, why didn't we take Ovi Toppin? So. I'll give him a good grade. New regime, I'll believe. Let's get nuts. So you gave one pick a like a B and the other a B plus, and you <laughs> gave it an A minus. <laughs> Tom, I, I want you to be my teacher. Tom, I got graded on a curve, is my than man. Some of its parts or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the swindling of the late picks into just kind of sliding up for free on both. I, I felt emotion tonight. And that's all I wanted. All right. I'll, I'll I'll give it I'd give it a B. I think A minus is 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 a kind of a hot take, but I I don't know that it's the Knicks' fault that they're getting a B, just because you know we look at this the Knicks roster right now and there's still so many holes there, but I don't I don't think this draft gave them the opportunity to fill those holes. So I don't I don't know if there was anything they really could have done in this draft to, to earn an A. Given what they were, based on what they were given, I think a B is pretty good. I think uh, 10 years ago, or 15 years ago, before all statistics and over-analysis came in, this, this draft is an A+. You just got the National Player of the Year and the SEC Player of the Year with your two picks. Because that's just... Not, not overlooking it, that's good. Yeah, between the the trade and what they came out with, I mean, putting my, trying to put myself in their shoes with the guys who were sitting there at eight, as much as they aren't guys I like was particularly high on, I also didn't really consider them because I thought they'd be gone by then. Between ta- Top and Evdia. To a lesser extent, Halliburton, I wasn't particularly high on any of them personally. But at the same time, you're looking at those three guys just sitting there. They fell to you at eight. Like, are you really going to take Vassell again? Not again, but he's going (laughs) to just be a... His whole thing is he's going to be like a good role player for you. When you have those guys right there that this whole process have been considered another tier from there. Especially when... There's nobody. There's just. There's nobody in the draft that was supposed to be franchise altering, you know, or like immediately puts you on the right path. So they got they got a guy who is the closest thing to that, and then they got a guy who, all things considered, is does that as much as you can at 25, and they make good moves on the back end. So I, I'm willing to give them a B overall, just because there's there's reasons to be optimistic, and that's really rare. Um, it just happens to not be the guys I wanted when they when I wanted them. But hey, there was I was scared all day that I was going to have to give like an F for trading all of this year's draft capital to just get top and at five. And apparently, he just slipped to them at eight anyway. Um, would all that have capital. happened? I don't know. We didn't just They're slip. Yeah, trading all the draft capital to get Balmero at twenty three. Yeah, mm. if the, the Bolmero <laughs> one stuck with the top, and they're lucky. I kind of liked quickly coming in. He was one of the guys I knew a little bit about. But very yeah, this this could have gotten much darker if that were the case. But you know, I don't know if it made the clip. But when we were watching live and we got to the Bolmero thing, Tom, you said it as a joke, but genuinely, like, should we not do an episode right now? It's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, yeah, no, we'll have to check out that clip because I don't know what made it in. But, uh, you know, like swapping 27 for 25 is objectively a good move. And then 38 for 33, also good, but 
then what they ended up doing with 33 was kind of confounding. So it's like, you know, if they would have traded 38 for that second round pick, then I, I feel like that would have been the same sort of reaction, you know? I don't know that moving up to 33 to make that trade really made a whole bunch of sense. Um, yeah, I, I do think I was probably a little lower on it than you guys, but Greg, I think Greg made a great point that like, based on what fell to them, based on kind of the way the draft played out in general, I'm not sure that it's like fair to to really criticize them. Like I was thinking B minus in my head this whole time. Um, I could be talked into a B. I think it's right on that cusp for me. And, um, you know, if you would have told me this morning that I'd be giving them a borderline B at the end of the night, I think I would have probably taken that. Yeah, and we'd, I give think, that a, we'd give that an A if we knew we were going to get a B. Yeah, you now guys we're talking Jake figured, grades. You guys just figured out my curve. <laughs> I, think, I, think this, I think this was a B for any other team. The fact the Knicks put together a B, that felt like an A- minus in my heart. Uh, so, and that's where we land, boys. Um, hell, I do hell wish the 33 night. pick thing isn't like what the night ended with from the Knicks' perspective, because it just does, it just leaves a weird taste in your mouth. Does it matter yeah. at all? Probably not, but it just is a weird way to end the night. They're going to trade for De'Aaron Fox and for that second round pick, and we'll all be <laughs> laughing. Uh, Got to close the trade. Um, boys, a lot of fun. I know I've I've been out of the talking Knicks game for a little bit, that damn baseball crap getting in the way. But it looks like basketball's moving, man. I, I think we might have some good Knicks action, and you guys did some great podcasts leading up to the draft tonight. So glad I got to see you boys. I think this was great. Thank you guys for checking out and listening to Talking Knicks. The social medias were cranking out content. Go Wrote check 2, that out. 2,000 Twitter there. followers today on Talking yeah, Knicks. So check that yeah, account yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instagram's Bang. growing too. Check out both. Follow both. It doesn't Follow hurt you. It's easy. Support your friends. Um, all right. Thank you guys. For Tom Piccolo, David Mendelson. Gregory Poon, Ken Poon. All right, guys. Oh, Ken, chiming in at the end. Thank you, (laughs) and let's go next. Next tape.